0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to The Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. With your host, Nick Bat, The Prime Minister
1: of Sweden visited Washington today, and
0: my tiny little nipples went to France. And Bruce Nolan.
1: Yo, brethren! What up with thee? Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Nick Bat. You can find me on Twitter at NICKBAT, and along with me as always,
2: Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive.
1: That's right. And here we are, coming to you guys right after the Buffalo Bills victory over the Detroit Lions in preseason game number three. We're gonna keep this brief. It's not gonna be a full episode, but we do wanna get out a recap of what we saw as quickly to you guys as possible. So, the Bills come away with a victory, leaving them now 3 and 0 in the preseason, and that is probably the most useless piece of information that you could possibly have. Would you agree with that Bruce?
2: Yeah, I was sure glad that Jaquan Johnson saved our victory there with that clutch performance there in land the
1: Yeah, really. A real gamer peeling away that, uh, causing that fumble right at the end in order to get the ball back for Tyree Jackson and uh, Marcus Murphy grinding out a first down or two in order to let us run out the clock.
2: It's really the winning culture. Yeah, absolutely.
1: absolutely. It's important
2: to instill that in the preseason.
1: Yeah. So, you know, we kid and we jest. But we're going to go quickly through position by position and talk about the things that we saw and anything of interest. First, I'm actually, this is not a position on the field, but I would be interested to hear, Bruce, if you saw anything of interest as far as coaching things. Now, we've already talked about in our podcast a couple of weeks ago about what matters and doesn't matter during the preseason, that the decisions and the things that the, the play callers and the coaches are doing are more for individual evaluation than they are about what, those coaches actually want to accomplish in the preseason. But I would be interested to know if there was anything that you saw that was of interest as far as coaching is concerned.
2: There was nothing organizationally that I saw that was indicative that there would be like a problem. Uh, We weren't disorganized. We weren't disheveled on offense. Most of the penalties, although it was a a flag-filled game, most of them were execution problems. It was holding or it was illegal contact. All kinds of holding. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of of miscommunications, delay of games, false starts, things that... Uh, typically would be discipline problems or coaching problems or things like that. So I don't think we, there's anything really to be gleaned from that at this point.
1: The only coaching thing that I saw that was interesting was with the other team, which was Matt Patricia, because of his Achilles injury, apparently gets to watch the football games from a Gatorade
2: castle. <laughs> yeah, he's like a band leader up there. He's like <laughs> directing the, the the team, you know, da 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 Yeah, yeah it's, it's like a. there's a Jerry Seinfeld joke about
1: how a pharmacist is better than you because he's two feet taller off the ground than you, and that's exactly what Matt Patricia basically is for this for the duration of this uh, Achilles injury. Apparently.
2: And why does this guy get to stand two feet higher than the rest of us? He's taken bills from the big bottle, and he's put them in the little bottle.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so, of course, what everybody wants to hear about and everybody's interested in is Josh Allen and the quarterbacks, I, I suppose, in general. So we'll start with Josh Allen, and we'll go through with what we saw from everybody. Uh, give me your takeaways, your, your big impressions of Josh Allen.
2: I'm kind of annoyed he's still doing that roll to my right, throw it back across my body, uh, psycho interception thing. This time he did it while falling backwards, and he did an interview later in the game where he was like, you know, I really... I shouldn't have done that. And he keeps saying things like, I shouldn't have done it, but I'm starting to think he can't help himself. I'm starting to think, he, you know, the adrenaline gets pumping. He's like, no, I can totally make that throw. Uh,
1: I don't know. To me, it, it didn't bother me that much because it's the preseason and I, I'm telling myself that he knew that it really wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, you know, the consequences aren't the same as they will be in two weeks. But, agreed. He definitely should not have done that. And he also threw an interception. I think that was the play, actually, that was called back because of a because of a really ticky-tack roughing mm-hmm. the penalty, roughing the passer penalty, and that really should not have negated that play. That, that needs to be something that is held against Josh Allen. It was a very bad decision. Yeah, I have a
2: hard time imagining Sean McDermott being the coach that he is. Coming back to the sideline, Josh Allen is, and Sean McDermott going, you know what, man, it doesn't really matter. It's the preseason. I mean, in, you know, in two weeks, then I'll get mad at you for it. Sean McDermott's a practice like you play kind of guy. I mean, he he's he's he probably got a good scolding. There. I'm sure, and he deserved it, and he deserved it. Other than that, I didn't think Josh Allen uh,
1: did anything that was of particular note. I don't I don't know if you felt very differently. I didn't. I, what I am happy about with Josh Allen is that, again, my fear, and, and this is slowly becoming less and less of a fear, but my fear when we drafted him was that he was going to look like E.J. or Blake Bortles or just a guy who just it does not look like he belongs out on the field. Like he has the ability to consistently hit the stuff and be accurate enough that it's the kind of player you believe it can help you win games. I, I just over and over again, Josh Allen just isn't putting that kind of stuff on tape for me. Uh, he he's he's reasonable. He's accurate. He can make plays. He can throw the deep ball. He's putting. The ball in players' hands. Uh, there were a, a throw or two maybe that wasn't exactly on target as, as you'd prefer, but by and large, I thought it was fine.
2: Yeah, this, this game plan really wasn't about Josh Allen. It was very clear, just like it was the first two games where we came out and threw the ball 47 billion times, that this game plan was really about running the ball. And so Josh Allen threw the ball six times and almost looked kind of bored. Out there, he's like, well, I hand the ball off, and, and then I hand the ball off, and and then I hand the ball off. Yeah. And that's kind of my job today.
1: Yeah. As far as, we'll, we'll leave it there unless you have anything else you want to add about Josh Allen. Yeah. Okay. So, Matt Barkley played most of the third quarter, and uh, actually, I think, into the fourth quarter. And we had a conversation. We both got to watch the game at the Bills Backers Bar in, in Cleveland, Ohio. And you know, us and a lot of the other guys who were in the basement talking had... I made the comment that I think that a lot of times the preseason, the win loss record, is actually an indication of who has the better backup quarterback. Is that something that you think holds any water?
2: I think it was astute enough of a point that you made that I was kind of jealous it didn't come out of my mouth.
1: <laughs> Fair enough, I'll take that. So Matt Barkley looked good. Uh, he he threw a ter- he threw. We can talk about it more specifically if we want to right now about about the touchdown pass that he threw to Duke Williams, which I think was um, a really a, another thing of beauty between the, the Barkley and Duke Williams connection. But essentially what I saw on that particular play was Barkley dropped back and there was a delayed blitz from the second level. And so he knew the way that the offensive line was handling their assignments, he did not have any time. And his immediate decision was... I know where Duke Williams is. He's on the far hash, one-on-one, throw it up to Duke. Instantaneous, that was his decision as soon as he realized the position he was in with his pass protection. And credit to Duke Williams. He went up there in a contested catch situation, got his hand on the ball, and did something that looks kind of like the CFL highlights that I think we were seeing whenever
2: he first came to the team,
1: and people were excited
2: about that. He just outmanned a guy. I'm a man, and you're a boy. And this is how this is going to go.
1: Yeah, it was a it was a very impressive um, play in particular, and I thought overall Matt Barkley looked sharp. He looked like uh, a, an NFL quarterback. He looked like a guy in control. Um, I thought his his accuracy was good. I thought his decision making was largely, um, you know, l- largely nothing to be concerned about. And I'm very very thankful that he's our backup quarterback.
2: I think Matt Barkley could be Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's even got the beard thing going on. They have similar builds. They're both 6'2", 220s. I really think that if Matt Barkley really ups his swag game, I think he could be be at some point spoken of in the reverence that Fitzmagic is here in Buffalo if he stays as a backup for a while. And I really feel like all he needs is for some announcer to constantly talk about how he went to Harvard. Yeah. And I will say, though, that for anybody
1: who is in the camp – who is saying that Matt Barkley deserves playing time or should be sniffing starting over Josh Allen, you are out of your goddamn mind.
2: Wow. Do you disagree? No, no, I, I don't. I don't disagree. I just you just it deserves, you went nuclear on it, these poor it, people. It deserves
1: to be said that harshly. There is no contest between the idea whether or not Josh Allen should be starting or Matt Barkley could be starting. Matt Barkley looked good. He looked good against a completely different tier of competition, and that is going to always be the case in the preseason. Whenever he consistently goes against the twos, and it's not a fair comparison. Do yourselves a favor and do not let that influence your perspective on that position
2: you know i was supposed to be in bed like an hour ago i'm not sure i've got the juice to yell at people about my part that's right fine now. okay so we'll move on tyree jackson does not deserve to be on an nfl roster yeah
1: I, I think that he ought be on the practice squad uh he throws you know my interesting observation of tyree jackson is the dude throws the hardest knuckleballs And, like, anti-spirals. The man is allergic to a spiral. It is unbelievable how hard he can throw the ball when it is just fluttering through the air like a duck.
2: I mean, imagine what the velocity would be if he did spin it.
1: Well, it's interesting because the ball hit Ray Ray McLeod at one point on a, on a couple of nice throws he hit guys and I think they have a hard time catching it because of the, the the rotation on the ball like it's it's actually challenging for the receivers it it adds a level of complexity to completing the catch that you don't have whenever you're not catching balls from a guy like Tyree
2: Jackson. We have a uh, like a squishy football that we throw around the Bills backers bar sometimes after it's kind of cleared out and there's only five or six of us left and we're throwing it around. That ball spins a little bit like Tyree Jackson's ball. It does, ball.
1: end over end and all over the place. Yeah, okay. I don't really have anything else to say about Tyree Jackson or the, or the Bills as far as that's concerned. I think that, um, you know, he really needs work. He really needs work. He's a talented, athletic specimen, but he, he's not a, a guy who I believe is worthy of a 53rd roster spot over a guy like Daryl Johnson, Mike Love, uh, Deion Lacy, anything like that. Okay, let's move down to the running backs. Uh, Anything of interest that came across your uh, radar on the running backs?
2: Shady's still got juice in the legs. Shady doesn't necessarily look like vintage Shady, but he still looks like a reasonable facsimile of Shady.
1: Yeah. Yep, I completely agree. I'm on record. The receipts exist for me saying that I'm ready to move on from Shady. And I'll tell you what, uh, I, I still would not have a problem if we did that, but I can tell you I am so much happier now, after the performance I saw tonight than I was previously, because I got evidence that Shady, the tank is not empty. He's still got vision. He's still got some lateral quickness. He can still be decisive and get up in the hole when it is
2: there. Giggity. We need Whenever- a giggity sound, bite where's... Where is the giggity sound bite?
1: Whenever the, whenever a crease opens, he has the ability to, to see that he has the vision and he will get through. So, I was very very glad to see that. I thought Shady looked as sharp as he has, uh, and that I, I, there's there's things to be excited about. If you are a person who believes that Shady is going to have a bounce back year, this was a game that was only going to add fuel to that fire.
2: I don't think Frank Gore's tank is ever going to be empty.
1: Frank Gore also looked good. He really did. He looked decisive. He he still has uh, a lot of strength, and he he runs a, you know what what would be I guess the trademark Frank Gore style, you know.
2: He gets every single yard blocked on a run. Like yep. if the maximum potential yardage for this run is four yards, he'll get four yards.
1: Yep, yep, absolutely. And then we had Devin Singletary, who I don't think got
2: a ton of run, but mm-hmm. he did have a touchdown run. Yeah, and on his touchdown run. I think there might still be a body on the field from, from Cody, where Cody Ford. Ford deposited him.
1: Yeah, that's right. Cody Ford on that play took his man and cemented him into the. He's a now a permanent
2: fixture of Ford Field. Well, I mean, Ford felt like it was only only proper considering the you know the field was named after him after Cody Ford. sure. sure yeah, but Devin Singletary, you know, when when he got drafted and every pod since then, when he's come up, I said vision and contact balance, vision and contact balance. The contact balance part came into play on the touchdown, where he was able to keep his body up... And have the body control necessary to not put his elbow down, not put his forearm down, not put his knee down, and get into the end zone. Yeah, That's he, how you get from, I got to the one-yard line, to I got to the end zone.
1: Yeah, he he took contact at probably, what, three and a half, I mean, I'm coming this off of memory, three and a half yard line, yeah. at right near the sideline. And was able to control his body in such a way that he did dive forward and the ball easily crossed the pylon as he was going down. So, good on him. T.J. Yeldon got a lot of run tonight.
2: A lot of run in the passing game from T.J. Yeldon, which is unsurprising considering that was kind of his forte coming in. He looked very, very natural as a pass catcher.
1: Yeah. Uh, Marcus Murphy also got some run uh, later in the game uh, against really inferior competition with really inferior blocking. So I don't know that there's a whole lot to see from Marcus Murphy, but you know, Marcel Louis-Jacques, friend of the pod, is a guy who I think um, has a very high opinion of of Marcus Murphy uh, being his first time here, you know, without any kind of previous um, influence from what Marcus Murphy did last season or whatnot. And I feel very similarly. I think Marcus Murphy is an NFL caliber runner. I think that he will find work. I don't really see a way that he's going to wind up on this roster, but I'm not at all going to be surprised to see him on an NFL roster later this year.
2: I think that's going to happen for a lot of the players this year, and that's a unique thing for the Bills to be involved in.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience.
1: Now two people who didn't get any run on the running from the running back room would be Sonorous Perry and Christian Wade which I think maybe a little bit surprising, especially people who are the Christian Wade truthers. They got literally no tape tonight to prove their points.
2: Well, actually, it might be worse, because now they're going to say that the reason we didn't do it is because we didn't want to put any tape out there, because we're going to put Wade on the 53-man roster. Okay, you know what? I said I didn't have enough energy to yell about the Barkley thing. I got enough energy about this. Stop. Just stop. Just no. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I will say that I'm interested that TJ Yeldon got so much run, clearly the fourth running back as far as that specific position is concerned, and Sonoris Perry got none. Got none. Now, he did fumble, right, last week, and we thought that that perhaps was being held against him. I think it's safe to say that's very, very true, and I would not be surprised if the Bills are going to go heavy elsewhere with not letting Sonoris Perry get any run that Perhaps he could be on the outside looking in if the Bills are looking at structuring their special teams unit in a way that's maybe a little different than what we've been thinking about.
2: I made a comment with uh, Joe Marino on Locked On Bills that Sonoris Perry and Maurice Alexander could be fighting for one spot, for that pure special team spot with Heath Farwell. And Mo Alexander flashed tonight. He had a good pass breakup in the end zone, and he was involved in the special teams, and it might be a scenario where maybe maybe we do carry Yeldon as the fourth running back because we have the special teams taken care of elsewhere.
1: All right, let's move on to the wide receivers. I think the big winner tonight, the absolute huge, without a doubt, number one big winner tonight was Duke Williams.
2: Yeah, he was running with the first team.
1: He, re- he was running with the first team with Josh Allen. Mm. He was not just running with... Partially the first team. He was out there in wide receiver sets with John Brown. He was out there in wide receiver sets with Zay Jones. In any time the Bills were in the red zone, when it was Josh Allen or Matt Barkley, Duke Williams was on the field. They were running numerous combinations. Uh, Cole Beasley didn't see the field, I don't believe, after he fumbled the ball, which has been part of the coaching decisions, I think, that Sean McDermott's just been upholding all preseason. If you do not control the ball, you do not see the field for the rest of that game.
2: Yeah, and pretty clearly Duke Williams is the winner here. Because not only did he score the touchdown, but he also scored the touchdown in the manner in which he did, which just reinforces some of the points that you and I have been making, that that was a big boy, full-grown man play. And that's something that other people on our roster aren't capable of doing. John Brown's not going to go out there and out-muscle for the ball and hold it up in two hands over the receiver's head and go, no, 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 you see this ball? There are many balls like it, but this one is mine. And that's what Duke did.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think the losers tonight, two potential losers, one, Isaiah McKenzie had a touchdown on a gadget uh, jet sweep, which I think was also, that was a wide receiver set, I believe was John Brown, Duke Williams, and Isaiah McKenzie. Those were the three guys, no Zay Jones, no Cole Beasley in the red zone. And I. that's interesting to me, first of all. So, good on Isaiah as far as that, but it's very complicated to think they're trying to sort out this sixth wide receiver spot, and those two guys are both getting run with Josh Allen.
2: I think that the only reason Isaiah McKenzie was on the field at that point is because Cole Beasley wasn't. I think that play would have gone to Cole Beasley.
1: Oh, that's a very interesting thought. I hadn't thought of that previously. That could be the case. Either way, I think that Isaiah McKenzie, he muffed a punt. He did recover his own fumble on a fair catch, but he muffed a punt, and I don't think that's a good look. Again, he I don't know that he saw the field after that.
2: Isaiah McKenzie muffing a punt is just a normal Tuesday for a lot of people. <laughs>
1: apparently, apparently. The guy who I who I think is a really big, clear loser today was Ray Ray McLeod. Number one, he wasn't getting any run with the first team. That's the number one problem. Number two is he had some ball security issues himself. He dropped a pass that was uh, hit his hands on a rollout. And he also caught a pass, let the defender take it from him. It was clearly an interception. And then he took it back from the defender before he went out of bounds in a really crazy highlight play.
2: Which doesn't excuse him for allowing the defender to get it because he bobbled it at the beginning. I don't think Sean McDermott, when he gets back to the sideline, Ray Ray does, is is Sean McDermott's going to say, well, you know what, it's okay. I mean, you got it back. That's not what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I agree. The other thing I would say is that Zay Jones, on multiple occasions, was receiving timing route throws from Josh Allen, at least two occasions I can remember. What I think that also indicates is that Zay Jones is not going anywhere. If you are also on that train, please change your ticket before you—get off before the last stop. Because that Zay Jones is in all of Josh Allen's group texts, and he is not going anywhere. They are, they are a group that has chemistry, and Zay Jones is not leaving. Uh, Josh Allen was working on those timing throws to his first-team wide receivers, and I think that that is of interest because it's something that he was particularly uh, not doing a lot of last season.
2: Yeah, I mean, Zay Jones is pretty clearly third on the depth chart to me. It's pretty clear that John Brown and Cole Beasley, both of our free agent acquisitions, jumped him when they walked in the door because now Zay's starting to run with the special teams. Because if you're the third, fourth, fifth wide receiver, you got to run special teams. So we saw Jay Zay Jones on special teams. We saw Robert Foster on special teams. Zay Jones and Robert Foster were our starting receivers at the end of 2018. And both of them are now running with special teams units. Yeah.
1: What about the tight ends? We didn't really see a whole lot of action as far as them in the passing game. Dawson Knox threw a great cut block on Devin Singletary's touchdown. I don't really know I have a whole lot else to say other than it was nice to see Dawson Knox out on the field and he was getting a lot of run with the first team. That's about it. All right. Offensive line. The first team offensive line I thought was pretty good. It was a real shame to see Quentin Spain go down. And I don't know that we have any other information that it was an ankle and that whenever he went to the locker room it was on a cart.
2: Yep, that's it. But the guy who came in for him was not Wyatt Teller. It was Ike Butker.
1: Yeah, it was not Ryan Bates. Right. right. It, was, it was Ike Butger was the first guard off the bench over Wyatt Teller and over Ryan Bates, the new play, all five positions, Jeremiah Searles type player. So, interesting there. I thought the first team offensive line was good, fine, okay, average. I mean, I, I think it was all of those things. Our second team uh, offensive line, either they were great or the Detroit Lions second team defensive line was terrible, which I think it's probably the latter.
2: Yeah, Matt Barkley could have made a souffle and waited for it in the oven, in the pocket today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball. Let's do the defensive line. Um, The only thing I really have to say about the defensive line is that we have got a lot of depth and we have got a lot of variety. We ran traditional, what you would expect, because Jerry Hughes didn't play, so it was Shaq, Star. Ed Oliver and Trent Murphy. We ran that a handful of times. You had Zoe rushing on the inside. You had Mike Love on the outside a lot with the first team. You had Shaq Lawson flipping and rushing from the interior. There is just Jordan Phillips was running with the first team in in several situations. Harrison Phillips I did not see run with the first team, I don't think, really at all. I didn't either. But there's just a lot of variety and a lot of ways that I think if the Bills want to and yet to be yet to be seen, but if they want to manufacture different kinds of pass rushes, we have the talent to do so.
2: The thing that was interesting to me about the defensive line is Mike Love was running ahead of Daryl Johnson. I know yep, there's, by there's, a lot. there's a lot of discussion about Daryl Johnson, myself included. I, we like the tools that he brings. There's been a lot of positive buzz there, but that DE4 job is not over yet. No. It is not handed to Daryl Johnson at this point.
1: No, And Daryl Johnson did flash Whenever he did come in and play There were at least two occasions Where he beat his man on a stunt And was in the backfield Causing problems And uh, Daryl Johnson just has An awful lot And Gosh, I'm starting to lean towards I don't know With Mike Love running with the first team That makes me think That he is the fourth DE And if that's the case, I think we're carrying five Because I don't think you're cutting Daryl Johnson
2: I don't think he can make it through. I don't think he can make it through waivers. No, I don't think so. Either. He'll get picked up. I mean, that stuff is just so rare to find in pass rushers taken late. I mean, when was the last time a pass rusher taken really late in the draft did really, really well? It's just not that common because people with those elite measurables necessary to rush the passer at a high level get drafted early. Yeah. What about the linebackers? Tremaine Edmonds is going to be a problem.
1: For, a, for opponents, Absolutely. he is going to be. A,
2: last year, he was going to be a problem for us. He was terrible in the preseason last year. Tremaine Evans looks like a different player.
1: Yeah, he's in the right places. He's giving up sometimes the short throws because he knows that it's a four-yard gain and it's situational football, not a problem. He's making really, really interesting, smart what to me seems smart decisions in some of his zone coverages. Uh, he's he's a beast in the running game, sideline to sideline. He can get upfield whenever the play is being stretched outside. He can he can get to the line of scrimmage before the running back does. Uh, it's really exciting to see Tremaine Edmonds be the athlete that he that he you know was previously, and Matt Milano got beat for a touchdown on a pass co- in pass coverage. However, it was one of those situations where it was a perfect throw, and if the throw had been maybe a second or two later, Matt Milano was putting his hands up into the uh the path of the football and the pass would have been deflected. He would have done literally nothing different on the rep and we would have all been singing his praises. But instead, because of the way that it went, we are saying ah, Matt Milano got beat for a touchdown.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think there's a whole lot more you could have asked him to do at that point. Sometimes, you know, they, the the line that people use is, you know, these guys get paid too. These guys get paid money to play football. And sometimes they do something really well and there's there's no defense for a perfectly thrown ball. And that's just what you ran into there.
1: I didn't really have much of an opinion about the backup linebackers. I thought that the rotation was as expected. Dion Lacey had a nice game, uh, both in special teams and on a couple of defensive reps. Aside from that, I didn't have much of an opinion about Corey Thompson, Julian Stanford, or anybody else. Nope. Okay. Defensive backfield. So Levi Wallace and Trey White both got banged up. Levi Wallace returned to the game. Trey White did not, but I believe the indication is that it was not serious.
2: Yeah, he was walking a little gingerly on the sidelines, but he was smiling and laughing and and high-fiving his teammates. And, And So obviously nobody thinks there's concern there. I imagine he'll get checked out after the game. We'll get a little bit more information, but I think it looks like we dodged a serious bullet there. I, the only thing I have to say about the defensive backfield, Jordan Poyer
1: seems to have gotten lost in coverage on T.J. Hawkinson at one point on a uh, a deep crossing route. Um, aside from that, I've just continued to be impressed with the depth of our defensive backfield.
2: My boy Jaquan Johnson, man.
1: Uh, Jaquan Johnson did have a hell of a game. That's true. So, a guy who's battling for hypothetically the bottom safety spot with guys like Dean Marlowe, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he is a gamer. I don't know how else to say it. Dude is a gamer. He's got, he, he's a, you described him in the draft process. Dude is a football player. And, We made fun at the very beginning of this episode about him prying the ball away at the end of the game in order to keep, you know, the get the bills the ball back so they could run out the clock. That's still a hell of a smart play. Absolutely, and and he's he's a good. I I like him a lot. I knew you would. I knew you would like him. He's 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 the kind of guy who just makes plays. Doesn't doesn't do anything crazy isn't a huge you know specimen you know he's not an adonis or anything but just makes plays just is on the field
2: in your, in your team's uniform making plays the fact that he was on the field in the fourth quarter when dean marlowe wasn't there anymore does give me a little bit of pause because i had him penciled in as the fourth safety he also got a lot more special teams run than dean marlowe though and Dean Marlowe's, you know, our secret weapon from the couch.
1: Yeah, right. That could be true or not, but we're gonna keep saying it. Absolutely. What about the special teams units?
2: Hauschka made his field goal.
1: So, Hauschka made Hauske made every kick he had the opportunity to do. Yep. Which is great. The holds were fine, the snaps were good. But
2: Bajorquez can go Bajorque's way out of here. <laughs> yeah.
1: This is uh this is still a problem. The the punting, the punting situation is a problem. Corey Carter did not play, he was injured. Corey Bajorquez had one good punt and four not-so-good ones, two really bad ones, and one so-so, and then one good punt, from my recollection.
2: Give me Ryan Allen right now.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, we've gone through the entire thing, and we're coming right up a little bit shy of 30 minutes. Are there any other parting thoughts or words that you want to share with the listeners, Bruce, before we head off?
2: We haven't heard a peep out of Dion Dawkins this preseason. And I think that's wonderful because, you know, it's how quickly the narrative changes. But coming into the draft process, there was a question as to well, whether or not we need to sign a, a draft a left tackle. Jonah Williams, Andre Dillard, you know I was a huge Dillard fan. But there was a question as well, whether or not we needed to draft this left tackle and move Dawkins inside the guard. I think no one's heard a peep from Dion Dawkins in the best possible way. Yeah. And I think that's, because we're not talking about it, we should be talking about
1: it. Yeah, Dion Dawkins is absolutely just handling his business and so no questions asked you don't notice him because he he doesn't get beat he's just not getting beat and it is an awesome situation for us to I, i'm just not that worried about it right now doesn't mean he's not going to get beaten he's not going to have bad games or whatever but right now he is far from our primary concern i agree with him all right well, thank you so much for joining us for this abbreviated edition and reactions episode of the Nick and Nolan podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Nick Bat. You can find me on Twitter at N-I-C-K-B-A-T. I'm the other guy,
2: Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive. And as always, until next time.
0: I do the cha-cha like a sissy girl. I like a do the cha-cha. strengthen security posture, and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to Vanta.com slash Vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot slash Vox for $1,000 off Vanta. Support for this podcast came from SaaS. Data is everything, and now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze, and now more than ever, speed to answers matters.